Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have come to you in praise. We have come to you in confession. We have given our offering to you, Lord God. Uh, God, we, you have to f- forgiven us in Christ, reminded us of our forgiveness again. And yet, God, you tell us to bring all our requests before you. So we do that now. Father, we, we, we lift up those in our congregation who are, who are hurting. Lord, I pray for uh, Jerry Green and the Green family, God. Father, I pray that you would surround them with your Holy Spirit, that you would give them a peace that transcends all understanding, that you would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. Father, we continue to pray for healing for Jerry, and we pray that you would give him peace. Father, we pray for Ken Tedder. We pray, God, that as he uh, continues to battle this cancer, that you would just allow him to trust you. We lift up Fred Justice to you this morning with just all the various things that he's dealing with, God, with his um, the shoulder and back, God, and the, the falls. I pray, God, that you and your kindness would just surround him with your love and your mercy. Father, we pray that you would continue to give the doctors wisdom as they treat his ailments. Father, we pray for Barbara as she is recovering. We thank you so much for how you have given her strength after this last surgery. We pray, God, that you would continue to give her, her hope in, in recovery, that her hope would not only be in her recovery, but, God, it would be in your grace. Father, we do pray for uh, the gospel in other lands. Father, we pray for the gospel in Australia this morning. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would be in that secular nation, God, that you would guard the pulpits of your ministers, God, that they would preach the holy word of God, that they would preach Christ out of love, the pure, um, undiluted gospel, Lord, that many in that land would come to Christ. Father, we pray for our own nation, God. We pray for our judges, Lord. Uh, You tell us to pray for those in authority, and we do so. We pray for our judges, those in the Supreme Court and circuit courts, God, appellate courts, God. We pray that as they make decisions, that they would not make decisions in their pride, in their arrogance, God. But I pray that you would give them humble hearts as they are judging cases, God. I pray that you would always help them understand that they one day would give an account to the judge of the living and the dead, the Lord Christ. So, Father, we pray that you would give our, our judges wisdom. Father, we pray for uh, the families of those who lost their lives from this crash from Chester, God. We pray that for those young men um, on the team who lost their friends, God, we pray that you would give them uh, comfort. We pray for all the families involved that you would just shine light in the midst of this darkness. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. Uh, We pray for Scott Vale this morning at Pleasant Valley Baptist Church, God, as he preaches the word of God. This morning, I pray, God, that you would build up and edify that congregation, that that congregation would be formed more and more into your likeness, God. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our community. We we pray for Ratio Christi and uh, the Baptist Collegiate Ministry this morning, God. We, again, thank you so much for the fruit that you are bearing in their ministry. Father, I pray for Devin, God. I pray that you would uh, protect his own walk with you, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would protect his health for him and Melissa. And, God, I pray that you would use him as a mouthpiece on that campus to to win people to the gospel of Christ. 
Father, and all the things they have coming up and all the different um, ministry outlets and times of teaching, God, I pray that you would just anoint him with your Holy Spirit. That as he teaches, he would not trust in himself, but he would trust in your word. We pray for Jack Lord as he's leading BCM. We praise you for a record number night this past week. Uh, Father, we pray, God, that you would just keep his heart humble before you. God, that he would walk with you, that he would love mercy and justice. Uh, God, I pray that you would protect uh, that ministry. We pray especially for the catalyst groups that are beginning uh, this week. God, we pray in your kindness that you would reach out um, through your Holy Spirit to call people to Christ through those small group ministry. Father, we we now turn to to our own hearts as we submit to your word uh, for the preaching of it. I pray, Lord God, that I would decrease, that you would increase that the word of God would go forth today, that Jesus Christ would be exalted, that the name of Christ would be proclaimed in this place as it has been proclaimed for 109 years. Dear God, you are so good to your people. Father, I pray for everyone here today. You know every ailment, God. You know every thought in their, in their heart, every hair on their head. So, God, I pray that you would preach through your servant today by your Holy Spirit to, to convict and encourage by the gospel of Christ. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would make much of this hour, that you would form us to be like Christ, to be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Bless your church, we pray. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Fred Wolf was a famous Baptist preacher. Uh, He served at a church in uh, Mobile, Alabama, Cottage Hill, Baptist Church. Cottage Hill was a church of about 8,000 members. He was one of the architects of the conservative resurgence. Many of you may not know, but the Southern Baptist uh, Convention used to not really believe in the Bible. Uh, There was a a denomination that had a lot of problems. And right in the mid-70s, there was a group of men, Fred Wolf being one of them, who came together and helped turn the ship for the church, the denomination, to start believing in the gospel. Uh, Fred Wolf uh, became a uh, president in several ways in various areas in our denomination. Uh, he was known as a pastor's pastor because of the counsel and the wisdom he gave to other pastors. Uh, Fred Wolf grew up here in, in Rock Hill, uh, not too far from us now. He was a mill child from Highland Park Mill. Uh, he came to Christ at First Baptist Church, uh, Rock Hill, at a vacation Bible school. And occasionally he would visit Park Baptist Church on Sunday nights because it was close to his house. His biographer remembers one such visit, and I quote, On one Sunday night, though, Fred saw something that he had never seen before. As a young boy of 10, Fred sat transfixed as Pastor B.F. Hawkins concluded his sermon, leaned into the pulpit, and wept over his congregation. He thought, this man has a broken heart for these people. He fascinated the young boy, and he would never forget that sight. B.F. Hawkins was the pastor of this church from 1944 to 1958. He had a broken heart for his people. He had a broken heart so clearly visible that a 10-year-old boy would be forever changed by one Sunday night at this church. 
As I said in Sunday school, rarely a month goes by where I don't run into somebody who shares a Park Baptist Church story with me. I came to Christ at Park Baptist Church. I was baptized. I was married there. My grandparents were founding members. Whatever it is, I hear that a lot. Park Baptist Church has dramatically changed Rock Hill. It has affected life upon life. Walking into this church, I was a young pastor four years ago, 32, um, and it was very easy to see the legacy left by Reverend Hawkins. He preached the word of God and had a broken heart for his people. I have often prayed since meeting people in this church and seeing the impact of his ministry that one day God would give me the legacy that he had. That people like Miss Mary Sanford, 75 years later, would still be walking with Christ. What a, what a wonderful, fruitful ministry. My prayer for you today is twofold. One, that you would clearly understand the text of Scripture. And two, you'd, be, you'd help understand what God has done in the life of one of the saints that have, have served this church as a pastor in B.F. Hawkins. So if you want to follow along on the outline provided for you, uh, the outline, point one, the joyful pastor preaches. The joyful pastor preaches. Look again with us at the text. Those of you who weren't here with us last week, Paul is writing probably from Rome. Uh, he's been arrested from the gospel. And the, the church at Philippi uh, sent him a gift. They sent him a papyrus to encourage him, but he also sent him a monetary gift uh, to care for his needs. So Paul's writing a letter back to the church at Philippi to thank them for what they have done in his life, for the, the ministry that they provided uh, for him. They didn't, know, they didn't know what was happening. So last week we talked about how even while he's in chains, God is using Paul's chains to proclaim the gospel of Christ. So Paul is sitting in this prison cell, and we read... In chapter, 5, chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Some indeed preach Christ. Let me just stop there for a moment. I, I think that if you're going to be a, a pastor, uh, you, you, need, you need to understand that you're called to be a preacher of God's Word. You're called to preach. There's some of you here today, I pray that God would call you to preach. Some God calls to preach. In Paul's letter to Timothy, a young pastor serving at Ephesus, he write these, he's write these words, chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is going to judge the living and the dead. By his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Rebuke. Reprove, exhort, in season and out of season, with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. One of the ways pastors fulfill their ministry is they preach. They preach. Some are called to preach. Now, even in, in our day, that is not often common. As what I'm doing right now, I'm standing 
as a, as a messenger of the Lord to proclaim his name, to preach unto you, so that you would receive this word. And if you heard the word from, from Paul to Timothy, it says, in, in the view of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to preach. So as I stand and preach, I think that the Lord Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father are watching me as I declare unto you. And he's watching you how you respond to that word. Some are called to preach. Paul knew this. Paul said to the church at Rome, I am under obligation. I am under obligation, he said, to both Greeks and barbarians, to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. He says later, woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel, 1 Corinthians 9.16. Even Jeremiah in the Old Testament, uh, Jeremiah had a ministry. He had a ministry of giving bad news to people. I'm glad the Lord has not given me that ministry, right? Most of the ministry I give, I give good news to people all the time. Praise God for it. But Jeremiah was, was called to preach destruction and woe and desolation. He says people are going to mock him for his ministry, make him a laughing stock. And he was getting very discouraged in his ministry. And he says this, if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shot up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. God calls some to preach. He puts a fire in your bones that you could say, Woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. He gave apostles and teachers and evangelists and shepherds to the church to equip them for the work of ministry. God may be calling some of you sitting here today to preach his gospel. Are you called to give yourself to the preaching ministry? B.F. Hawkins was called to preach the gospel. He was graduated, graduated from Fordham University. He went on to Southern Seminary. Uh, he was ordained in the ministry in 1942 and came here shortly thereafter in 19. 44. Dr. Hawkins had a wonderful, fruitful, and tremendous ministry. I've heard stories of him again and again and again. And yet none of that would have happened unless he answered the call to preach. Some are called to preach. Is God calling you to preach? Answer his call. Secondly, a joyful pastor not only preaches, but he preaches with pure motives. I think this is where, where Paul is going. You look right there at verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So here's a, a shocker. Not everyone like Paul as a preacher. Not everyone like B.F. Hawkins as a preacher. And not everyone is going to like me as a preacher. That's okay. It's okay not to be, to be liked. Paul was in chains. He was in chains, and instead of the saints coming alongside of him to, to encourage him in, in his ministry, to, to fulfill the, the role that, that he was called, that he couldn't fulfill out in the streets in Rome, some wanted to, to saw Paul's 
it, Paul being in chains is an opportunity to step forward and make Paul feel pressure. The Greek in the end of chapter, of verse 17, it says, but thinking to inflict me in prison. It literally reads that there would be more pressure on me. They wanted to make his life feel more pressure because of his chains. They were his rivals. They were probably jealous of Paul. They didn't probably know him before he came to Rome, and he was probably getting, gaining a, a following. Could it have been Christians who, who maybe even were formally persecuted by Paul and never got over it. It could have been Christians who thought they could gain ground in their own ministries by, by undercutting the, the preachers in other areas. Regardless who they were, their motives were for self. There were probably local Christians in Rome that Paul did not know well, and they were undercutting Paul's ministry. One commentary, Gordon Fee, says, Jealousy is one of the basis expressions of human fallenness. Jealousy kind of rises up in our hearts at different times and in different places. But can I just encourage you before on the outset, be careful that you don't have a, a critical spirit. You know, God is doing wonderful things in our church. And we do things at our church in a very specific and intentional way. Now, there's a lot of churches that may not do that, right? We want to be very careful that we are not hypercritical of other churches. Hypercritical of other pastors. Now, we can be critical. I'll mention that in a second. But we want to make sure that we are not hypercritical. Because I think that's what's happening here. Paul was being undercut by those who were being hypercritical of his ministry. They merely pretended to be concerned with people, but their main motivation was to stir up trouble for Paul and to help them move forward in people's eyes. Some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry for their own name, so that the world would love them more than they would love Christ. But he also says some preach Christ in love. God cares about the motives of, of one's heart. Nothing is hidden from his sight. He sees and knows all. He searches your heart and your thoughts. A joyful pastor is one who pleases God, not only in what he says, but the inner workings of his, his heart. A joyful pastor preaches out of love for Christ and a love for his people. B.F. Hawkins was a man who was known for his love. I've heard story after story of, of, of what B.F. Hawkins is do, does. It's amazing that, you know, he, 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 his last day here was in 1958. It's 2016. And still, his shadow is, is large. But after all the, the stories I've heard, they're all seasoned with the flavor of love. All that he did was a ministry of, of love. Many of the lifelong park members here at this church came to Christ under his ministry. And as I said a couple weeks ago, if you want to grow in love, you have to grow in knowledge. The more you know people, the better all you are to, to love them. So if you understand where they came from, how they grew in Christ in, in years past, you can help love them. He was known for loving children and young people. I mean, think about this. 
those who are in their in their 80s and maybe even in their 90s were children, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 years old when he arrived on the scene. And he was the kind of guy like Jesus was. Let all the children come unto me. Now, if you were going to make a name for yourself, the last place you would go is kids. The last place you would go is young people. Because children and young people, they don't have any power in the church. But he came to serve Christ out of a heart of love with a pure motive. So he loved children. He loved teenagers. He had a heart that was broken for his people. Uh, I got a chance to sit down with Max Phillips this week. Max has always shared wonderful B.F. Hawkins stories. And I said, Max, if there's one thing, if there's just one thing that you could tell me about, about Dr. Hawkins, what would it be? Without, without even hesitating, his, his, he loved me. He had a personal relationship with me. He knew me. Max came to Christ at 14. He joined this church at, at 21. He's now 94 because of the ministry of B.F. Hawkins, who, who knew him, who loved him. And it's really the ministry of a pastor. One of the, the jobs of a pastor is to know and love their people. If I only came up here on Sunday and preached, then I'm not a pastor. I'm a preacher. But God has not called men to be preachers. He's called them to be pastors, to love people, to open up not only their, their mouth, but to open up their heart in love with a pure motive. In 1997, uh, the church had a, 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 a box. Some of you may remember this. It was a time capsule box that they closed 50 years uh, before. It was to celebrate Park Baptist Church's 90th homecoming. Uh, Dr. Hawkins spoke at the ceremony, obviously emotional that he was still alive after 50 years of, of closing that box. And he reminded this church that its mission can be summarized in three words. He said concern, compassion, and conviction. He said, to reach people for Christ, you need a basic concern for people that grows into compassion. Then you need conviction for knowing what you believe and why you believe it. You need to have love and you need to have doctrine. Truth. It reminds me of Jesus and the compassion he had. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, God's word says, And Jesus went through all the cities and the villages and their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pay earnestly to the, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers into the harvest. I am thankful that God called B.F. Hawkins to this church. I'm thankful not only that he called B.F. Hawkins to this church, but he gave him a heart of compassion for the people that now I have the great privilege to serve. His preaching out of love and compassion helped win many to Christ. And some of you are even here today. Praise God and praise God. But you know, B.F. Hawkins did not just preach it, he lived it. You know, part of this dynamic here, even we see in this text, is that these preachers are kind of filling the, the pulpit of Paul, and they're doing it to gain acclaim for themselves by undercutting Paul, by probably slandering him or maligning him. But that's not what Reverend Hawkins did. Uh, Reverend Hawkins followed um, Reverend Willingham. Reverend Willingham uh, stayed close 
closely involved with the church. He would come to the fellowships, and as Max would say, he would pile his plate just full of food, food upon food upon food, while his mind was starting to fade. And one day when he came by, he soiled himself. And Reverend Hawkins took him home and bathed him because he had a heart of compassion. He had a heart that was broken for his people. Do you have a heart of compassion? We are all ministers of the gospel. God has entrusted every single one of us to be a representative, to be an ambassador for the kingdom of Christ. We have to show the world by our, 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 our mouth and by our actions that we are a people of love. Does your heart break for the people around you? Do you even have a basic concern for their life? Or are you motivated by selfish ambition? That you're so focused on getting your tasks for the day done that you don't see the people around us. You're so busy on, on moving through your, your college career or you're your, your, uh, climbing the ladder in the world. Or even focused on getting your chores done around the house not to see the precious children in front of you and the classmates and the coworkers beside you. Are you motivated by compassion or selfish ambition? You may not be preaching out of selfish ambition, but you may be living out of it. Either way, we must have a heart of compassion. Lastly, the joyful pastor preaches a pure message. He preaches a pure message. I mean, think about this. Paul is in chains. He's uncomfortable. And then he finds out that there's other pastors filling the pulpit. Preaching in the, the synagogue, preaching in the streets, and they're doing it in such a way to malign Paul's reputation, to criticize his ministry. What would Paul say to that? Look what God's word says in verse 18. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Paul does not tell you how he feels. He does not tell you how he feels with being criticized. He tells you that what he has joy in. He has joy that Christ is proclaimed. The most important thing in Paul's life was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he lived his life for. And because Christ is proclaimed, I will rejoice. The greatest gift to any church, hear me, is not a pastor. The greatest gift to any church is the pure message of the gospel in which that pastor preaches. It is not the man. It is the message that he proclaims. A pastor is only valuable if he preaches a pure message. Because you can have the purest motives in the entire world. You could do things with sincerity, with compassion, with love as a pastor, and you can lead people to hell. It's one of the greatest challenges in our day. 
There are many preachers today who have pure motives and good intentions. Many of, of those who are mainline denominations, if you meet these pastors, they're happy. They're kind. They're compassionate. They love their people. And we should rejoice in that. But they do not have a pure message. They preach a deluded, watered-down, false gospel. Now, we don't want to be hypercritical, but we do want to be critical. If someone is not preaching the gospel, Paul said, let them be accursed. Because preaching a false message gives false hope. And false hope leads people to death. In our politically correct world, it's not easy to stand on the truth of the gospel. The gospel says that God created the world good and man fell into sin. And that sin spread to every aspect of life. That sin brought death and death spread to all men. For the wages of sin is death. Every single human being deserves hell. Now that is not a politically correct message. It's becoming hard, harder and harder to preach it. But that makes it no less true. Now, Paul, myself, do not rejoice only that people are preaching about hell. But we preach that Jesus Christ overcame hell through the gospel of Christ. Through his death and through his resurrection, Jesus Christ died to save sinners. He who knew no sin for our sake, sinners for our sake, he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus paid in his death and won in a, paid for our sin in his death and our hope in his resurrection from the dead. And if that message is proclaimed, I rejoice. If the message of gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed, that you could be saved if you turn from your sins and trust in Christ, and in Christ alone, death, burial, and resurrection, I rejoice. It doesn't matter how I feel. I'll, I'll rejoice. I'll rejoice if the gospel is proclaimed. The key for Paul and the key for us, it's all about whether Christ is proclaimed. Now, America is not the same country when B.F. Hawkins was pastoring Park Baptist Church in 1944 to 1958. Park Baptist Church is not the same. We, we dress a little different now. We sing different songs. We, we may use different instruments. There, there may be changes. There may be more changes coming. But here's the, the deal. It doesn't matter what the changes are. Christ is proclaimed. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is heralded from this pulpit. Jesus Christ's atoning death and life-giving resurrection is proclaimed from this pulpit. Jesus Christ, the only hope for sinners. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ, the righteous one who came for the unrighteous to, to bring us to God. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Jesus Christ, our advocate before the Father. Jesus Christ, Christ, a friend of sinners. Jesus Christ, the judge of the living and the dead. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is proclaimed. And in that, we rejoice. We do not rejoice 
We do not rejoice in anything other than the gospel of the Lord Christ. What binds us together, Park Baptist Church, is not our style. It's not our traditions. It's Christ. And Christ proclaimed. If you walk up those stairs, you'll see a sign that says, A hundred years of Park Baptist Church for Christ. For Christ. God has been gracious to Park Baptist Church for 109 years. Praise God for faithful men like B.F. Hawkins, who have filled this pulpit with the gospel of the Lord Christ. We are thankful for our past. Amen? And we pray that however many years the Lord gives us in the future, and whoever fills this pulpit, the message will be Christ. The message will be Christ. Christ proclaimed. It's in that we all can rejoice. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us appreciate the ministry of this church. We pray that you'd help us appreciate um, all the men and women who've gone before us, both members and pastors who live for Christ. We pray, God, that however many years you give this church, that Christ would be proclaimed. That God's people here at this church would rejoice. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.